0: It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God Regardless of where they are in the journey So they ask for more faith Many people pray for it Other people say if I come to church maybe I'll just serendipitously get it However the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith So then faith comes by hearing And hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us So, our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word.
1: And now you will see a very brief video. Amen.
2: This message for all the grown kids out there stop stalking your parents. Has anybody noticed that since your kids done get grown, they starting to make you try to check in with them about where you going, what time you gonna be back, and who you with? My daughter done messed around, y'all, and turned on my location. On my phone. She came over here one day. She said, Let me see your phone. I ain't think nothing about it. Go on and get my phone. She done turned the location on my phone. So every time I leave the house, she can put some type of button on there somewhere and end up finding out where I'm at. So one day I'm out and about. She called me, Where you at? What you doing? I said, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm at where I'm at and I'm going to be where I be, like Chris Tucker said. I said, I'm out where I'm at. Well, bring me some piata. I said, I ain't got time to stop and no piano. You there now. I looked around. I said, Where are you at? I turned your location on. Somebody tell me how to turn that bull crap off. Let me tell you something. And grown kids, stop coming down your mom and them house taking all their stuff they don't work hard for. You wanted your own house. You begged. I can't wait to get 18. So that mean when you get 18, you get your own toilet paper, you get your own perfumes, you get your own shoes, your own dresses, your own jackets, everything. You saw washing powder in the washing machine. You get your own washing machine or you go to the washing machine place. Baby, my daughter came down here the other day. She's going out to the daggone club. She come walking right past me, go right to my thing of perfume and spraying on my good perfume. I said, Lord, Hammer, I'm growner than you. Last time I checked my birth certificate, I'm the mama, not you kids. Stop asking me where I'm going. I'm a bi. They ain't snatching heavy set women out here like that. Cause you can't pull me in the car because I'm too big. So you, you I need to check on you because they're getting them young folks. They ain't pulling old senior citizens like that. Quit stalking y'all parents. I
1: right. um y'all my my mama went to the uh, hospital last month because she thinks she can go places and not tell me where she going, like the lady on the video. And I called her and I said, Mom, I said, you're going to need to let me know these things, okay? Because I have to fix my life around that, okay? I need to tell my husband, hey, you're going to have to hang out with the kids. I got to, you know, the hospital is, is uh, uh, it makes me thirsty. I got to make sure I got a bottle of water. I got to make sure I got my gym shoes on just in case I got to take your stuff to the next thing. You know, you have to let me know about these things. Y'all, my mama going to tell me, you are not my mama, she said, the unmitigated goal, she said, I'm your mama. So in essence, you don't have to take responsibility for me, traditionally that's what a mother's job is. She said, that's not your job. She said, that's my job. I only knew how she did that with me. When I went into the hospital, when I was younger, I thought that was what she needed, but she didn't. She needed me to stay away to make sure that I didn't have something or she, she didn't have something like COVID that could harm the kids. When I was sick, I needed security. When she was sick, she needed me to make sure that I was safe. I tried to take care of her out of what I needed, what my expectations were, when what she wanted was to care for my kids and me. That's what she needed. She was thinking about not just herself, she was thinking about me and then generations after me. She was exactly the mama that I needed her to be, and God is exactly the kind of father that we need him to be. And through David, God does this for us. Would you join me in standing as we read God's word? This is just one way that we can show respect for the Bible and the words in it. It's just one. It's not the only way, but I'm inviting you to do it Today 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 through 7. 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 through 17. Amen. All right. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant, David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I've moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, This is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people, Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning. And have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people, Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, who I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of his entire revelation. Lord, be with us and guide us. Illuminate the word, Lord. Let it jump off the page for each of us just as you have decided for it to be done. In the name of Jesus, would you allow us to leave this place, Lord, knowing that we have met with you because that's what we've come to do. That's who we've come to hear. Thank you, Lord, already in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. Background. David has just become king. Okay. Anybody ever seen The Color Purple? All my life I had to fight. David had to fight all his life, right? And now he is finally king. He gets his house. Child, don't you know that cedar, which his house is made out of, is imported, honey, built for a king. And he looks at what he's got and he's like, wait a minute. I have this wonderful thing and my God lives where? Verse one, now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in the house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around. So while he's making this evaluation, we recognize that David is a ruler. David is king. David has power over both Israel and Judah. He makes rules. He owns his own decisions for nations. He decides whether or not people are going to war. And David needed rest. He'd been fighting all his life. He needed rest from war. He needed rest from attack. He was running from his own mentor, the king. He needed rest from running. He had just lost his bestest best friend. He needed rest from that, rest from ridicule. Oh, he's too young. Somebody was like, oh, he's too cute. He's too immature. I am so grateful that the Lord grants him rest. See, it does not say that David was tired, but it does say the Lord had given him rest. You ever been so locked into your stuff that you don't even realize you are tired? God is so wise and God is so faithful. He knows when you need rest, even when you don't. Not only does he know, he then provides it even when we don't ask. Now I'm starting to get good at dodging temptation, obviously not from pride, but fighting battles and hearing God is getting easier, but that doesn't mean that I'm not suffering some damage. That doesn't mean that I don't get tired sometime. That doesn't mean that it doesn't take work. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take energy or focus. And if we're not careful, We will convince ourselves that we don't need rest because I feel fine. The Christian life is a fight. It's a fight against things we cannot see. It's a fight against attitudes. It's a fight against ideas and systems. It's a fight against demons. And in a fight, the body prepares you to either stay and fight it out or run, okay? During this time, your pupils dilate. So more light gets in so that you can see more, okay? Your heart rate increases and your breathing also increases, okay? You can stay in that heightened state for 30 to 60 minutes, even after the threat of danger is gone. And this state of fight or flight, it's not even smart. So the things that are uh, issues that you come up against, the things that you think are coming against you might not even be real. You thought you saw a spider. Whack, your pupils get dilated. You was having an argument with your boo thing, and when he turned around, you thought he kind of looked at you sideways that made you think he was talking to somebody else. Bam! Increased heart rate. Some stuff is going to appear to you as if it's a threat, when really it's not. But the button of fight or flight is going to try to take all of that about you. Your pupils dilating and your heart rate increasing. And you know what? That's hard on the body. And you can't even control it. David had to flee for his life. But only after his mentor and then king one day throws a spear at him and then king saul throws a dinner and when david is not there after he threw a spear at his head he says hey how come david is not at my table do you know anybody like that somebody that'll attack you or talk about you like my mama say a junkyard dog and then be mad at you because now you distancing yourself from them there had to be some fight or flight in that after all of that happens then david fought nations then david became king so god knew how he created david he knew he was tired so in god's infinite wisdom god gave david rest verse two the king is talking to the prophet nathan and he says see now i dwell in a house of cedar but the ark of god dwells inside tent curtains now cedar i told you was swanky right had to get it imported so david starts this comparison david is like okay i got cedar and it's expensive and it's imported." I got a house, though, so that's nice because it's stationary and it's stable. But God don't have one of those. He got a tent and it's fabric, and that's not needed to be imported, so it's common. And tents are temporary. They're not stationary. They're for moving and stuff. David is an earthly king, believing that expensive stuff and stability is valuable god is king of kings sees the inexpensive and the temporary as valuable i love that god will reveal to us exactly what the important things are we think big and extravagant and shiny makes something or somebody important or valuable but that inexpensive fabric made it so that God was so much more accessible when the children of Israel went because of because of this tent wherever they went there his presence was david put value on a thing because of how inaccessible it was but God. He gave that which was invaluable to make himself accessible to everybody, to make salvation accessible to everybody, to make his presence accessible to everybody, to make his spirit accessible to everybody, to make everlasting life and love accessible to everybody. I don't know if you've been in a place that I've been, but I've felt unworthy. I have felt without value. I have felt without strength, but I'm so glad for God because he reminds me I don't have to be anything and I don't have to do anything I don't even have to own anything I don't have to be the smartest I don't have to have the best because it's not who I am and what I do that gives me access to him but it is because of who he is that I get access to him. What David had was stable. His house was stable. He was upset because he believed that where God was, was unstable. Stable by the Merriam-Webster dictionary says that it's an adjective. It describes. It is uh, firmly established. It means not changing. It means steady in purpose. It means enduring. That's everything that appeals to me, y'all. That means it's unchanging. That means it doesn't surprise me. That means it does not disappoint me. Because I can always predict when stable happens. Homeowners, does that sound like a home? That it is completely unpredictable. Does it sound like um, carpets are never going to need to be replaced? But a home is stable. Does it sound like a roof, even after fifteen or twenty years, that is? I mean, it's going. It's going to leak. You got to replace it. Do you know when that's going to happen? No. Those are things that are meant to be stable. People believe that stable should equal comfortable, but we know a good God that does not need stable to help us to be comfortable, to be provided for. But God says in verse six, for I have not dwelt, dwelt in a house Since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about a tent and in a tabernacle, a tent that's fabric, it's pliable, it's temporary. There was a house, he says, back then in Egypt that was stationary. And in that time, the children of Israel were crying out in bondage. They were dying there. But when he set them free, he moved to a tent moved as they went, showed other nations that the hand of God was on them, that God wouldn't forsake them, that God always honored his word to his people. God does not need anything to be established to bless his people, to protect his people. He is creator. He can create blessings out of nothing, create provision out of nothing, create protection out of nothing, miracles out of nothing, heal out of nothing, God says, What is it about me that says that I need stability to be a steady purpose and enduring to my people? Verse 3 Nathan, Nathan is a prophet. So that means he says what God tells him, to whom he tells him to say it. That's what a prophet does, right? And he's sitting with a king, David. And can, I feel like in my, my sanctified imagination, can you see him, like, inclined on the couch? And, like, like, man... <sighs> Yeah, you ought to do it. I mean, anybody could do it, you could do it. I mean, the Lord is with you, and King David is like, yeah, man, you right. I really need to do that. Can you see that? Like, he hyping his boy up in this, right? Verse 4, it says, but it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan and blew up everything Nathan told David earlier. You ever been that friend, like you extra cool, right? Um, And you like the regular regular friend? And all of a sudden, the Lord makes it weird, right? You start to, like, prophesy about the, the cat. You got a word about um, how your friends shouldn't be nagging their kids. Or you start healing bent corners on the coffee table. Or you finding that last piece of puzzle that nobody could find, right? Like, but can I tell you something? That sometimes I'm that friend... And I'm afraid to tell my friend what I hear in prayer. And I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of being wrong. What if what I said earlier today, while I was just being a regular, regular friend, is completely opposite of what God has said? And I'm starting to be okay with being an obedient fool. If God said it, it must be of value, far more valuable than any little uh, finite human lived experience advice I gave. I believe that wonderful things happened when God spoke, when God spoke, the heavens and the earth were created. When God spoke, storms ceased, clouds parted, and he affirmed a savior. I have to believe that whatever message God gives me outweighs my embarrassment. More than being afraid of what I look like, I'm afraid that you are gonna miss out on a timely word that heals or restores or provides because of my ego. So this is your encouragement to go and tell your friend, go tell your coworker, go tell your mama, go tell your editor, go tell your pastor what the Lord has spoken. Verse five, go tell my servant, David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? He calls David a servant. I love an intentional guy. He could have called him anything. He could have called him king of Judah and Israel. He could have called him conqueror of the neighboring tribes. He could have called him commander of armies. But in this moment, David is referred to as my servant, One who attends to someone else's needs. A servant's going to bring you food. A servant organizes your house. He's one who attends to someone else's needs. God reminds David that David is God's servant. God reminds him. He says, you, David, you serve Me, but David moves ahead of his master and assumes his needs without consulting him. God is like, wait, 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 wait. I'm the one who provides for you. I'm the one that sets standards. I'm the father here. I do this. I know you king. I know you got servants of your own. I know you got fancy stuff. I know you think you're doing something with your multiple wives side I, but I'm king of kings I do this verse 6 I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt and did to this day I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling the absence of a house never made me incapable never made me incapable of tending to your needs, addressing your issues. Don't let your expectations of me, says God, be based on your earthly standards. Don't let that cause you to forget who I am. The children of Israel needed to be reminded of who he was, who it was that they depended on, who it was that they prayed to. When Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, why do you think he started the prayer out? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Could it be so that the rest of the prayer is said with confidence that the one I speak to is unlike anything I have ever dealt with on a regular basis? He is not my boss. He is not as my mama said, my little friends. He is not my teacher. He is not the mortgage people. He's not the investors. He is power. He is love. He is wisdom. He is truth. So when I need to pray demons back to hell I know that I need to go and pray to power. When I know that my friends and my family have all left me alone, I know that I need to pray to love. So when I can't figure out if I should put in my two weeks notice or not, that's when I begin to pray to wisdom. So when people start to call Satan God and the universe, my healer, I pray to truth. God is saying, this is not that I am that I am. I can be all you need according to my riches in glory not according to your expectations verse seven wherever I have moved with all the Israelites did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel why have you not built me a house of cedar he says I know what I asked them I asked them to lead and guide my children. I asked them to make sure that they were kept in safety, that they would be in obedience to me, that they would watch over them and keep them from being fooled out of their favor. Did I ask them to be anything else? How many times have you picked up something as ministry, a taking in somebody's kids, a champion in somebody's cause, and those things are not Bad things hear me out. But did you ask if that's what God is asking of you? And we can play the what if game all we want to, but you know, if you need to talk to him, you know, if you have, and you know, if you listened. And why is it that we pick up that stuff? Is it because we have no boundaries? Is it because we are people pleasers? Is it because we need to save face? Do we wanna have the I'm so busy card? Like that's a flex. But did those things, were any of them ordained by God to lift him up, to draw men unto him? When we don't consult the Lord, we end up heaping up on ourselves things In his name, he never asked us to bear. Verse eight, now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people, Israel. I got stuck here. Why in this, there's another version that calls it the Lord of hosts. Why did he call himself the Lord of hosts here. Another way of translating it from Hebrew to English would be the God of armies of heaven. He chose the Lord of hosts to call himself. God took David from being a shepherd shepherd, to serving Saul. He became like a son to Saul. Then he became a warrior. Then he became king. And then it dawned on me at every level, God was fighting for David's destiny. In the field, David had to fight a lion. Then he had to fight Goliath. Then he had to help King Saul fight his demons. Then he had to fight King Saul. Then he had to fight neighboring tribes. Everywhere he turned, he had to fight. Have you ever felt like everywhere you turned, you got to fight? But thank God that he is the Lord of hosts. That he has commanded warring angels, that he has commanded guardian angels to fight for us, to fight for marriages, to fight for our children, to fight for our city, to fight for our peace, to fight for our faith. And when I'm tired, God says, you don't have to fight my child. I'll fight for you. You need only be still. Verse nine, I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. So you mean to tell me I did all of that so that you could build me a house? At this time, the children of Israel don't even have a nation really. They don't have a land to call home that equal inheritance, that equal generational wealth, that meant food for eating and for selling. A place to build homes. They would be planted there is what God said. And they wouldn't move from place to place anymore. They could then have a home. I know what it's like to not have a home. And it's traumatic. Anybody here ever move before? Wave if you ever moved before. Yeah, okay. That's an ordeal, okay? You spend all of your time inside of your house and you like deciding, hey, how far is it from work? You deciding where things go, um, what fits your style, your organizational tools and the systems that work in this space. And then you got to take it all down when it's time to move. You got to pack it up. You got to put it in boxes and move to somewhere else and start the process all over again. Hate it. There's no consistency in that. It's a million decisions that you got to make. And we grieve what was. Even if you hated the house, you hated packing and unpacking, it's still a lot to figure out. God is giving them consistency. God is giving them peace to know this is it. I can raise a family here. I can raise crops. I can make some money. God wanted them to have more than a house. He wanted them to have a home that was their own. It says he would protect them there. There is nothing like when God establishes you in a something. He says, I will appoint a place for my people and plant them, God says. And then he not going to let nobody mess with them. When God gives to them, it comes with both provision and protection. When God establishes a thing for you, decisions become opportunities. Systems become vessels for blessing. The drive to work don't seem so long and the boss's quirks don't seem so bad. And the checks be checking, huh? The food takes a little better. And let somebody try to take something from you established by God. And you remember that he is the Lord of hosts. That the weapon can be formed, but the saints of God, it will not prosper. The struggle is real, but his power is realer. They could try to come for you, but they don't know who you came with. He got them asking, who is this king of glory? the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. He is the king of David. He is the king of Paul. He is the king of Peter. He is the king of Asia. He is the king of heaven. He is the king of the seas. He is the king of sickness. He is the king of finance. He is the kingdom of life. So let somebody try to take that which is established by him. But verse 11, verse 11, he says, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. God says, you think you're going to make me a house? I'm going to make you a house. Verse 12, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood, I will establish his kingdom because you, David, you gon' die. God will not. Because you, David, you need rest. God says, I do not. I neither snumber nor sleep. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish your kingdom. So wait, after David dies, he would set up his seed. So while you are dead, I will continue my promises to you. I don't need time. I don't need money. I don't need you even to be ready. I don't need anything because I'm God and I fulfill my promises. And here is the best news. Verse 16, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. God is talking about what is to come. God is talking about the one who is to come. David thinks that a physical house is a big deal. God has different plans for a house. David's house or family line would be the family that Jesus, our Savior is born of. Jesus would come and prepare a home for all in heaven. One that we would all have access to. A home made on the kept promises of God to save anyone who would call his name. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And if you believe that, We wanna give you the opportunity to give your life to Christ today. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So all over the building with heads bowed.
0: One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life. In Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are. That means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer but be a doer and let's change the world if you just prayed that prayer you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871 F-O-R-T or please visit us on our website citadeloffaith.org that's simply spelled C-I-T A-D-E-L of faith.org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.